Cascade Hoops Talk, Billy D. Join us on Twitter, Cascade Hoop Talk. Hey, everybody stay safe, uh, stay inside, and uh, listen to Cascade Hoops Talk. Hey, today uh, have uh, we're happy to welcome Jeff Beckman, all-conference player for Spring Arbor University, uh, a highly efficient player. Jeff played all four years of his career at Spring Arbor, scored over 1,000 points, pulled down almost 1,000 rebounds, averaged seven rebounds per game during his career, and he provided critical power on the glass for the, for the Cougars. Not only is he the seventh player in SAU history to reach 900 boards, but he is on, he's, he's only one of only five players in Spring Arbor history to score 1,000 points and record 900 rebounds. Welcome, Jeff. You should be very proud of what you accomplished at Spring Arbor. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show today, Bill. Hey, Jeff, you went to uh, Shelby High School. You grew up in Shelby, Michigan. Shelby High School had a really a, a great high school program, and I know particularly your junior year, but, you know, talk about your your teams at Shelby and, you know, what it meant to you to, to be part of that program. Yeah, so Shelby is a, a really special place, and basketball-wise, um, Coach Rick Zulik has been there for um, almost 35 years, I believe now, um, and he was just an incredible mentor to me. Um, the fun, the really fun part was um, my freshman and sophomore year, um, I got to play with my older brother, Andrew, um, and my cousin, Jason, as well as my cousin, Danny, and the four of us are are incredibly close friends. Um, so my freshman and sophomore year, we lose at the buzzer in the regional finals. Um, and then my junior year is kind of when we broke through. Um, we just had a really special group. Uh, we went 19-1 in the regular season. Um, we did. We had four first quarters where the other team didn't score. Um, so just our our press was was a lot of fun. It was just it was a blast being able to play with some of your closest friends. Um, just being in a community that loves basketball, um, those Friday night games, those conference games, they were just incredible memories that I'll never forget. Hey, that's that's pretty cool. You were able to play with your, your brother and your cousins. How special was that? It, it's something I'll never forget. Um, the I, I can remember so many games where um, I would just set screens and, and get out of the way and let my cousin Jason go to go to work. Um, my, I think my brother, my brother and I had this system where we would, he would crash the offensive glass on one side and I crash on the other. Um, and we probably had uh, multiple times a season where he would call my name as he's going up for the rebound and he'd tip it over to me and then I'd tip it in. Oh. <laughs> um, and just that, that specialness. Um, and then my senior year playing with my cousin, Danny, uh, he's a point guard that plays at Hope College now. And I could get rebounds and just fire them to half court. And I knew exactly where they were going to be. We've been best friends since we were two or three years old. And, and that was just, that's, I get chills thinking about how fun that was. So this is probably a dumb question because I'm sure it's an obvious answer, but how much closer were you and your brother and even your cousins having played to ball together, you know, not just growing up together? We, we are just, I can't even describe it, honestly. Um, the the group chats that we still have going on, the two-on-two games that we have over Christmas break, they're just – and that, that bond that got created playing together. Um, we, we can talk about hoops or anything else for hours on end, and it's just uh, the four of us have a really special relationship, and it, it's a lot of fun. 
Well, that's that's a pretty cool story. You finish up at Shelby. You, you know, now you're where are you going to go to college? So, you know, what went into the decision to go to Spring Arbor? <laughs> the the funny thing about Spring Arbor is I was being recruited by Indiana Wesleyan in my junior year of high school. I go to Spring Arbor and uh, I turn to my mom and I say, I never want to play in this. I called it an airplane hanger. Um, I'm ashamed to say that now. Um, and then I, I mean, I, I hope that I'll get a little grace because I was 16 years old when I made that comment. But just as I matured and went farther in high school, um, other crossroads league teams, um, Grace and, and Taylor and Indiana Wesleyan all um, stopped recruiting me. And I realized how much more important the people were rather than the facilities. Um, and that's when I developed a relationship with um, Coach uh, Brandon Baum and Ryan Cottingham in the recruitment process. Um, Isaac Love was a local, um, he went to high school near me, so I'd known him and he was on the team. Um, and so I just found out how quality the people were at Spring Arbor and I, it made my choice so clear to end up going there. I signed in the fall of my senior year before the year even started, um, just being very confident getting to go to Spring Arbor. Oh, that's a, man, that's a cool story. So you, now you get to Spring Arbor your junior season was a dream season. You know, very few players who play college basketball, number one, very few people get to play college basketball, but then get to play college basketball to have a dream season, win a national championship. Uh, it, talk about your junior season at Spring Arbor. Yeah, I, Bill, I don't know where to start in the year. Um, we, obviously, preseason is, is long and grueling. We have We just have workouts and early morning conditioning. Um, but I, I guess I should start in, in August. We came in for a team retreat and we stayed in this house on campus. And in the middle of the night, we had, a, there was no AC. We had the windows open and a bat flies into the house. And <laughs> we are all up in the middle of the night, throwing shoes, trying to get this bat out of the house. And just the bond, even then that we could all feel uh, of how close knit that we were um, going forward. And, and then when the season started, I don't think we realized how cohesive we were. Um, I, I think we won five or six really close games. And about halfway through the season, we start to realize how just just how special that, that this team is. And then going into the tournament, we were we were very confident going in um, just having played such a grueling schedule. And then we beat Indiana Tech by 35 points. And we're, we're thinking, wow, we can, we can really do this. And, and then the Jamestown game in the second round, I think, was our toughest opponent outside of Oregon Tech um, in, that, in that tournament run. They played very well. And, again, I don't think we realized how special it was until we were actually in the national championship, uh, realizing how far we'd come. When I talked to Paul, he mentioned, he mentioned something that I didn't realize you guys uh, defeated Marion that year three times, and the third time was in the Final Four. That Marion team was probably, you know, one of the top two, three teams in the country. They they were the most talented team I think I've ever played against. Sitting in our hotel room the night before, um, Paul and I were roommates, and Paul just looked at me and said, "Jeff, we we can't lose to these guys." Uh, that's how he 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 always calls other team these guys and. 
we just said we, – we felt an immense amount of pressure going into that game. Just the whole kind of basketball curse, you can't beat a team three times. And then we played, I believe, our best defensive game of the year uh, in that game. And I think the better defense we played in that game, the better our offense felt as well. Um, and so it just – we kept building on ourselves as that game went on. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you held them to 50 points. Uh, they only shot – 38%. And again, I mean, this is a team that had TJ Henderson and Wes Stowers. I mean, yeah, and you held them to 50 points. TJ Henderson played really, really well in the first half. And Luke Barber was on him, I believe. And he was just working extremely hard, but TJ was really feeling it. And we, the great thing about that group is we never lost confidence. Luke never lost confidence. Um, and he kept working extremely hard. And and then Coach Cottingham's defensive system um, to be able to high hard hedge on West Stowers that game, no matter where he was, I believe was really key. Coach did a great job of of breaking them down offensively, so that we knew exactly what we were doing defensively. So what do you mean by high hard hedge? Uh, so typically, typically defending that middle ball screen, um, the big is gonna is gonna drop because. Reggie Kasulal is such a, a threat to roll, but instead we sent a help defender over that game um, and were able to get out and almost double team Wes okay. um, in order to better defend that. Um, and that, that adjustment by coach just changed everything. Oh, okay. Wow. That's interesting. So, you know, you, let's, you're, we're talking about defense. So who was the hardest guy in the crossroads league in your career to guard? It, it's no question. It was it was Bryce Linehoop, uh, the the starting center for St. Francis. I played against him for two years. Um, I believe he finished with over two thousand points and over a thousand rebounds. And he wouldn't you wouldn't think it when you looked at him, but his footwork, his ability to pass and and seal, he he often had me beat before he even took a dribble in the low post. Um, and he was just. He was a load. I, I have never worked so hard to try to stop somebody um, than I did when I guarded Bryce. He was extremely deceptive uh, because if you watch him, he, he just didn't look that intimidating, but it was just impossible to, to stop. Uh, it, that That's a perfect way to describe him was deceptive. He just, and, and I think his arms were way longer than people think they are. I think he physically, he had a, he had a leg up, which, he didn't look like it, but he was just, it, his shot was impossible to block. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I got the opportunity to see him play several times. Once at the tournament in Branson. Yeah, very good ball player. You get through, you you defeat Oregon Tech, and everybody knows that's a team near and dear to my heart, but uh, <laughs> you won up fair and square. But you you, you win, the, that buzzer goes off, and you realize you're national champions. Talk about that moment. When when that buzzer went off, I I just sprinted. I sprinted towards the bench, and as as people are running out, I I just sprinted through the crowd. Um, and my coach Coach Cottingham told me later I was trying to be like Jimmy B after <laughs> NC State won it. But I can totally relate to Valvano in that moment because I I didn't know what I was doing. I just I thought the best thing to do was to run, and. I think I ran in a big circle, not really knowing where I was going. Eventually, found some of my teammates, and 
Um, and then you really realize and the emotion starts to hit you of what just happened um, and being able to just embrace teammates, lay on top of Brandon Darnell in the middle of the court, uh, pounding his chest. And it was just a special moment that when you get to share it with teammates becomes even more special. Yeah. A Jimmy V moment. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Really incredible. You and I talked about this a little bit, but you know, I mentioned your thousand point man, almost we'll call you a thousand rebounds. You got real close. Talk about your role in that Spring Arbor offense because you know, you played with some guys that were <laughs> I mean, Brandon Durnell and, and Paul Marindat, uh, you know, Luke Barber, De, uh, DeWilt. What was your role in that offense? Bill, I felt like my role almost changed year to year. Um, so my sophomore year, I was – that's the first year I played extended minutes. I played with a, a guy by the name of Zach Maidendorp who averaged, I believe, 14 or 15 a game, really talented in the low block, obviously playing with Paul. I, I felt like I was spoon-fed by Paul my entire career. So my sophomore year, just catching layups and finishing because Paul would draw so much attention – um, then obviously junior year, we had that incredible squad and that mid range jumper just became available. I, I like to think of myself as, as Horace Grant playing alongside those, those talented Chicago Bulls rosters, um, just sliding into the 15 foot area because, um, Tom Hamilton and Luke Barber shot over 40% from the three point line that year. Um, Peyton DeWill, obviously a very talented, uh, slasher. Um, and then Brandon really came into his own, his, his sophomore year um that national championship year and i i just had to get out of his way at some times because he he was going to take the ball to the hole and and find me if my guy doubled and then obviously paul like i said spoon feeding me easy buckets my entire career so so i just i just always felt like a compliment um because i always played with so much talent paul could really control the pace of a game mm -hmm. and he was so strong he's, that he can, you know, he can penetrate and post up. Uh, what do you think his – he's got a lot of different talents. What, what, do you, what do you think made him so special? I, I think, for one, like you said, his control. Um, and that was not only over pace, um, but he could control defenders. And so if you watch – even if you watch that Oklahoma-Wesleyan game, the, the threes that I took in the second half, Paul – uh, a lesser point guard would have given me those passes earlier. Um, but Paul takes an extra dribble. Um, he'll throw a pass fake, and he knows how to throw pass fakes in to make your defender take another step away to give you more space. And so not only does he find the right guy, but he actually creates three or four more feet for that guy to get his shot off. And that, I mean, that's why Paul has the assist record at Spring Arbor because guys shoot such a high percentage off of his passes brandon Darnell, i mean he's just a load he he is a load um i brandon's um one of my closest friends and we we go to battle and practice a lot and i i don't even know how to i guess uncanny um his ability to find the rim with his eyes and and throw it up there with a soft touch with that right hand it's just he wows me every day i watch him play who is the hardest guy in the league for you to for you to score on? To score on, um, I see. I was never a fan of um, Taylor's front line, C.J. Pena um, and and Luke Hubbard. They 
they to me were a, a great mix of length and strength and speed. And I, I never enjoyed going against them, either of them, um, when we played them. So when you say you weren't a fan, it means they were, you're not, you're, you're not talking to, bad about them. You're just saying they were, no, they were tough for you to play against. They, they made my offensive day much more difficult than I would have liked it to be. They, they are very good defenders. Now let's talk about you. You were an amazing shooter. You shot over 57% for your career. What do you attribute that to? I, w- I would attribute that one to, like I said, the talent that I played with. Um, no one ever, no team ever game plan for me because they had to game plan for three other guys. And, and I would also attribute it to my dad growing up always said, uh, you know, take shots when you know you can make them and don't base your game on hope. And I just really tried to tried to live by that. Um, and then Coach Cottingham um, just gave me a ton of confidence in what I was good at. Um, so he always encouraged me to shoot the mid-range jumper to take one dribble in the post and score. Um, so he really just encouraged me to play to my strengths. And I, I think I did that fairly well. And that's, that's why my percentage is, is what it is. So this year you, you added another weapon to your arsenal. You shot over 40% from three, uh, but, but you only, you only made 10 of them. Why didn't you shoot more? You were shooting so well this year. <laughs> So I really didn't start shooting the three until late in the season. Um, I, 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 Bill, I really don't know. I, I think that coming into the year, I was um, confident with my mid-range shot. And the previous year, I had taken so many of those. And then as the year progressed and we were trying to find our niche offensively, I realized that that, that mid-range shot wasn't there anymore, just the way our offense was. And so I stepped back and, and just tried to, to work on those more rather than the mid-range and um, just tried to shoot them with confidence. But I, I think you're right. I, I should have shot a few more rather than my mid-range this, this past year. So, Jeff, what is it, what is it meant to you to be a part of that, to be a Spring Arbor Cougar, to be a part of that program? Bill, I, Spring Arbor is it's a special place, and I say that just because it's so near to my heart what Spring Arbor stands for and what Coach Cottingham um, and Coach Baum and Coach Jim Brown stand for. But I, I would say it means two things, three things. I'll expand it to three. One is family. I have 30-plus brothers now um, who I got to go through that se- those seasons with that are I will have their back and they will have my back for life. And the second is... The second is working through trials. Um, so at obviously in a basketball season, not everything goes well. Um, and Coach Cottingham uh, has taught us to, um, to work through those with our head up um, and just continue to work hard um, and not worry about outcome. And finally, my relationship with Jesus Christ has, has grown immensely because of the Spring Arbor program, because of the Bible studies that Coach Jim Brown has run um, through my years, the mentorship, the teammates pouring into my me um, from Isaac Love being a senior my freshman year to Josh Lehman this year being a freshman pouring into me as a senior. Um, that has just been an incredible plus to being able to play basketball at the college level. But you're really lucky to have that, have had that experience. That'll stay with you forever. It, it will. And I've even just been 
three weeks removed from my career, I, I feel incredibly thankful um, uh, towards Spring Arbor and that program for everything that I've learned during my time there. Yeah, you talked about basketball seasons being a, a challenge, and they are. But I mean, we could, you and I could probably talk all day about. You know, I, I think it really. I think in games, it's you know who can who can uh, shorten up the runs that come against you, and how do you lengthen your runs? And in a season, it's you know how do you shorten up those bad spurts, and how do you lengthen out the the good spurts? I mean, it's 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 all about dealing with those those ups and downs. But this year had to be particularly frustrating. You know, you couldn't get on a winning streak of more than three in a row, and you guys had more close games and overtime games, I think, than almost anybody in the country. Do some of those games still haunt you, Jeff? Not so much this year. The St. Francis game at St. Francis this year, I felt like we had a handle on them, and and we let that one get away. And then the the Bethel game, I, I guess, yeah, talking this year, the Bethel game this year um, really haunted me, but I think I got over it um, because we learned from our mistake late in that game, ended up beating them at their home court in a similar situation. Travion Cruz had the ball with less than five seconds left. Um, and the first time we didn't double team and we knew we should have. And the second time we did, <laughs> and we ended up winning that game. So I think I'm getting over it just because we got them back on their home court. Early, especially early in the season. I mean, he did that to so many teams. Uh-huh. You talked about coming back and then, you know, to kind of redeem yourselves against Bethel, you had to go to Bethel because you lost at home. We did, yes. But you you had that rematch with Bethel. It went to overtime. You pulled down 18 rebounds, which in a defensive struggle, Jeff, I thought that was uh, a huge part of that win. Just talk about that game at Bethel and how good that felt. Yeah, that, that game was um, – I remember a ton from that game, just it being – it being so close, we were actually up 14, I believe, at one point in that game. Um, we felt we were playing really well during that stretch. And like you said, I, I rebounded it pretty well. That was actually, I did not feel well that game. That was kind of when everybody was getting sick. And our, our sophomore big, Tyler Kaminsky, came in um, and provided us really with some good minutes um, that allowed me to get a rest. Um, and I think that helped my rebounding um, margin. But then that game, just Luke Barber hitting five threes um, was incredible. Uh, and we just, we all built off of, off of his um, hot shooting, and, and that was a ton of fun. And then going back to Travion at the end, uh, I will never forget Luke. I think Luke hit a three, and then they have the ball late, and I'm running to double Travion. Luke Barber is guarding him, and then I hear Brandon behind me yelling go 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 and I think we ended up triple teaming him um, just out of respect for his ability to hit those last second shots yeah he has an incredible talent to and he's going to terrorize crossroads one more year uh he's got an incredible talent at the end of the game kind of like kind of like you know you don't want Mangus to have the ball at the end of the game I mean Travion Cruz is kind of the same way right uh, you know speaking of Mangus Indiana Wesleyan you know you you got to the tournament you ended up losing to Indiana Wesleyan, uh, at, and then it was a very, very good team. When that game ended, did you feel that you guys had done enough to get back to Sioux Falls? I think in the back of our minds we did, but we were very um, – knowing that we 
knowing that the Crossroads League is that good, I think in the back of our minds we were pretty confident. However, that worry can just overtake you sometimes um, about whether you're getting there or not. Um, but we, we came into the second round of the Crossroads League regular season, so we came back to play everybody again, so nine more games. And we were fairly confident that if we went six and three in that stretch, um, that we would have done enough to get into the tournament. Um, and then beating St. Francis in the first round of the league tournament, uh, I think we were fairly confident. But again, that, that worry just always haunts you a little bit until you see your name up on the screen. Yeah, I, I think the two biggest games for you were that Bethel game we talked about, uh, and, and especially since you did it on the road. And then uh, I think you absolutely had to beat St. Francis on the road, which you did. I think they were ranked 16th in the nation at the time. So uh, I think those those were the, the two most important games to getting back to the tournament. So yes. now you're, you get to the tournament. Well, well before we leave the crossroads, uh, we talked about playing at Bethel. Where's the toughest place in the crossroads to play? That, that is a good question. Just because Crossroads League teams have fluctuated so much um, while I've been there, I think I would say that St. Francis facility is the toughest place to play. Just they have a kind of a home court advantage because of their floor and how things are set up. But I would say that Indiana Wesleyan, their crowd on a Saturday afternoon is, is really tough to get going against. What is it about uh, you mentioned St. Francis, their facility. Uh, what is it about it? I, you know, I really don't know because everything about their gym just feels normal. And then you, you never really feel like you can get into a rhythm at St. Francis. Just your body doesn't feel right for some reason. Obviously not making excuses because I think I only won there once in my career. Um, but they're just, it, it's just an odd facility that, that makes you have that makes you second guess yourself a little bit in the back of your mind. So now you're going to the national tournament. Uh, you get paired with Oklahoma Wesley, and obviously you did a lot of game prep for them. How did you feel about the matchup going in? We we felt really good um, just watching watching a lot of film. We felt that individual matchups were we were really confident with just the way they played their defense. We felt that we could get um, a lot of threes off um, and having having Luke Barber um, just be an incredible shooter. We, we felt like offensively we, we really had the leg up uh, going into that matchup. And the first half went well. You, you were up by eight at half. You went up by 10 early in the second half. And then, you know, Brooks Haddock, you got to take your hat off to him. I don't know how many threes he hit in that second half, but he got the game close. Uh, defensively, what, what type of, what kind of changes did you make against Haddock as that second half went on? Honestly, uh, Bill, we couldn't. The the way Brooks was playing that game, um, and like you said, hats off to him. He had an incredible, incredible second half, well, full game in that game. Um, but the way he was scoring made it really difficult to adjust at all. Um, I think he hit four or five mid-range jumpers where they were clearing out the entire side. And we, we were right up on him, and we had help waiting for him in the paint. But when a guy is hitting those type of shots, uh, I don't believe you can do a whole lot to, to adjust for him other than running a, a straight-up double team at him, which at the level that Oklahoma Wesleyan and us are playing at, that's just that's not feasible to do. So I, I just think he, he had such an incredible game hitting the shots that he did. 
we we really couldn't do a whole lot defensively. I thought, well, I mean, just being an observer, it looked like the first couple of threes he hit, you know, he had some space. You guys switched around and uh, started picking him up earlier and putting more pressure on him. And But even contested, I mean, he just kept hitting shots. And then once the three was kind of gone, he, he started, uh, you know, shooting more mid-range. And he was still hitting. Right. I mean, <laughs> he was. It, you, you didn't. You didn't think he was ever going to miss in that game. I I don't think he missed more than five shots. And then I I believe he was 100% at the free throw line too. So yeah. just just hats off to him. Well, and despite despite that, I mean, what he was able to do was pull it even. And then you, you guys just, I mean, it was a Donnybrook, a barn burner, whatever terminology you want to use right up to the end. You know, Paul went to the line at the end. He missed a free throw. Uh, DeWilt got the ball, had – I thought an excellent look at a three Uh, describe the moment when that three rolled off and you knew it was over. I think, um, and, and just to back up, this is another thing about Paul Marinette. He, he didn't tell anybody he was going to miss that free throw because he was so confident that he could throw it off the front of the rim and it would come right back to him. So just the ingenious of Paul in that moment. But when that game actually ended, it was, it was heartbreaking. It was, uh, it was very difficult just to to swallow, and I think as time went on in the next hour or so, just realizing that my career was entirely over um, was just was the sad part. Rather than in that exact moment. So Jeff, I know, I know your your dad's huge fan of yours. Who took that loss harder, you or your dad? Um, I I think I think it was pretty equal. Um, my dad is is incredible. And he, he just wants to see our team succeed. He's fairly close with a lot of the guys. Um, and he just wanted, he's so confident in Spring Arbor basketball. And obviously being my dad, he wanted us to be right back in that national championship game. So I think he, he wanted to be able to see a couple more games is why he took it so hard. And obviously I didn't want my career to be over. So your career, you know, some guy's career ended with the virus and your career ended on the floor, you and, I mean, several others. You know, was it better to have it end on the floor? Would you have rather it ended with the virus? What are your thoughts on that? Bill, I I think God gives us little blessings in the midst of everything that's hard about this life. And I think that um, that loss was one of those little blessings that God gives us because um, I just working so hard for so long um, to pursue pursue excellence in the game of basketball, I, I can't imagine. I feel so bad for those guys who whose career ended with the virus because there's there's so many what ifs. Um, I'm so thankful that there's no no longer any what ifs um, for me. My career's over. Um, that part of my life was incredible, um, but I, I'm very obviously very confident it's done Uh, there's nothing else to look back on and think what if well you had an amazing career at spring arbor you set some records there you know like i read in your introduction the thousand points 900 rebounds you're only the the fifth person in spring arbor history to do that and you wanted spring arbor wasn't that spring arbor's first national championship as well right it was yes and nobody can take that from you so what's after spring arbor for you Bill, I'm I'm really hoping to get into the coaching world. Uh, I love basketball 
so much and i believe it's a it's a great vehicle to to teach young men um like myself for the last four years have learned the values of character and leadership and and faith in jesus christ i i'm really excited to hopefully jump back into the world of basketball and and get into the the coaching world um i'm marrying my beautiful fiance in july and so I'm, I'm really excited to, to start this next part of life and very thankful for the last four years. Oh, well, congratulations. Wow. That's, and, uh, I hope you do are able to, uh, pursue that a lot of great coaches in the country, but people who are students of the game and are the, the right kind of people, it's great, great to see, uh, people like you enter that profession. So good luck to you with that. And you'll, you'll get in and you'll be very successful at it. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that, Bill. Jeff, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Really enjoyed uh, talking to you. And, uh, you know, again, congratulations on a great career. And, and thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you, Bill, for being a being a reporter for the NAI. You make the brand of the NAI more known. Um, and I think it's a great brand to, to talk about. So I appreciate what you do as well. Oh, I appreciate that very, very much. Thank you. All right. Take care, sir.